Welcome back, y'all, to episode two of the Q's Football, The Moment. I'm Q's TD here. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to break down the regular season. I'm going to kind of briefly go through game by game, um, talk about it for a minute or two. And then at the end, I have a little treat for y'all. I'm going to start looking at the depth chart, and we'll talk about the depth chart as the winter and spring goes on. But um, that's today's episode. Thank you for joining me. So this was the first Saturday without Syracuse football in a couple months, and it's sad. It really is. It was sad for me because it's the one thing I really, truly enjoy when it comes to sports. But when one chapter ends, another one begins, and that's where we're headed to 2018. Dino Babers is going to be the coach in year three. I've talked in the past about year three being the year I've circled on the calendar for being our most competitive team, and it should be. Um We'll see what happens, but we got to start out better in the non-conference, which I said the last podcast, and we'll break down the schedule in the future, but I'm going to kind of go game through game here, reminisce on the 2017 season, and honestly, we showed that we can play with anybody in the country, seriously, anyone in the country, and then, you know, we got hurt, quarterback got hurt, Dungy, and I think the defense wore down, and there's some more injuries in there that we didn't even know about, but they look slower in November, and that's why we finished another season 4-8. and eight. And I don't think we're going to end up 4-8 and eight ever again, at least not under Dino Babers, but let's talk about it. Let's start about that first Friday night. You know, leading up to the game, late summer hits. You think about the game, they're in camp, and you can't wait. Those Saturdays come, and you just get so hyped, so excited. Butterflies rolling in your stomach, fluttering around, and we usually open up on a Friday night, and that's what we did here. You know, a winnable game. It always should be winnable when you're playing an FCS team. Started with Central Connecticut State. And a lot of people are going to think, man, Central Connecticut State is terrible. No, they weren't. They made the FCS playoffs this year. They just got eliminated, I believe, but they made the FCS playoffs and were on the better teams. In the FCS, top 25, and we smacked them 50-7. to You can't take a lot away from that game. Other than, you know, for the most part, we were in control, played well. You know, the defense looked good, but once again, it was against FCS, so we're hesitant to say that we make the improvements needed. Um, But, yeah, it was a good win. You expect to leave 1-0, honestly, the last, you know, when you really think about it, the last, you know, 15, 16 years, we don't win a lot in the Dome. We usually walk out with a loss. So anytime you can walk out of the dome with a win is a huge plus, and that's what we did. We took care of business. Year two got underway. Okay. Then, you know, Scott Schaefer came back. You know, I, I liked Scott as a person. I didn't know him personally, but from what I heard, he was a good guy, great defensive coordinator. When he was head coach here, I don't know if it was Bola or him, but the defenses weren't very good either. Um, he had the Maryland job and left for personal reasons and then got the Middle Tennessee job and, you know, good for him. The one thing with Scott was what he did for a couple of years in that first year wasn't fully his fault for recruiting. Marone left in late December, killed that recruiting class. We didn't even have a full class. It was a disaster. So really Dino's first year wasn't working with a lot. And then unfortunately Scott was not a good recruiter. The staff you know, we were like 68, 69, I think, on average under Scott with the recruiting rankings and um, a lot of non-rated players and two stars. And, 
you know, as you can see, this roster turnover, um, it still needs some work, and it's getting there. You know, Dino did a lot with a couple of these players, and, you know, Scott found a couple diamonds in the rough like Irv and, you know, and Steve Ishmael was, was really George McDonald's recruit. Man, McDonald, that, that name's a swear word in here. But, um, you know, he kind of left the cupboards bare, so to speak. And Middle Tennessee State, I don't know what happened. We did, We came out flat. You know, we played okay. I think we were in the red zone four times and got like three points. You know, four time, four trips and at least three points. And then we lost. We missed the field goal, turned over the ball. Um, we just poor execution. We should have had more points. We're up 16-9 late in the third quarter. They punt the ball. Sean Riley drops it, muffs it. They pick it up, score, get the momentum. Um, Dungey has a couple other turnovers. It was just a bad game overall. I don't know what happened. If it was too emotional for him, you know, Dino didn't get him up. Just a bad way because we never start two and zero. And um, you know, you can say the tactics of Middle Tennessee State were absolute crap with them falling down, cramping. The refereeing was terrible, like most games for us. But they won, and we ended up one and one. Um, then Central Michigan came to town, and it was a must-win game. And, you know, it was close a little bit in the first half, but we blew it open and got a 41-17 win. And it was a good win because Central Michigan, I think, won seven games this year. Um, they're usually pretty tough. They played Oklahoma State. They beat Oklahoma State last year. Um, they usually have a decent program. Um, so we're 2-1. and one. We're feeling okay. Um, then we go to LSU. So, Tiger Stadium, not many teams win. Um, I was at the game. It was actually a surreal experience. Tailgate was pretty cool. It was hot, humid. The boys came out and played well. You know, we had a a first play interception by Dungy. They got up. We're fighting. It's 7-3. You know, I've watched this play over and over again on YouTube over maybe the last week. Sean Riley has the ball in his hands. It would have been a good catch to go up 10-7, and he drops it. You know, LSU gets up. They get a little bit of a lead. We come back in the fourth quarter. It's a two-point game. Steve Ishmael scores on a great pass from Dungy with like five minutes left. We try to kick it, a squib kick, but Riley hits it terribly. It's kind of like an onside to get good field position and score at the end. I mean, in Death Valley, we played our butts off. Definitely could have won that game, and LSU has gone on to have a really good season. Okay, nine and I think nine and three. So by their standards, it's not the greatest, but nine and three is legit. Um, you know, then the next week we go and play NC State. I mean, it does not get easier. I can't believe how the schedule was set up this year. I don't know if the ACC or I know part of it was us, but really, really did help us out, especially going back-to-back with NC State, who ended up winning eight games and actually underachieved a little bit. But they were playing good in September. Um, Once again, early turnovers, dug ourselves a hole, came back in the second half. I think we beat them 21-6 in the second half in scoring, but the first half killed us, and we lost by eight. Couple, once again, a couple terrible calls. A pass interference. Um... Ravion caught was going for the ball, got held down. They didn't call it. I think we kicked a field goal instead. Um, you know, we just haven't gotten a game where we've gotten some breaks from the ref, and I'm hoping now that, you know, Dino's third year, coaches know him, know how we play, or refs know him, know how we play, that we actually get some calls because the respect factor needs to start happening here because it's actually pretty pathetic in the league that we get absolutely no calls. I think um, – 
for us, we're not the most penalized team in the league, but we are penalized the most for yardage. That's either holding or a personal foul or something dumb like that. So make it what you wish here. So we lost that game. Uh, we're 2-2 two and two going to Pittsburgh. You know, I think we've beaten Pittsburgh like twice in the last like 12 years. And at the time, Pittsburgh wasn't playing that great, but they ended up, you know, fighting and clawing at the end there. They beat Miami, and we won 27-24. Real close game. Defensive line played outstanding. Alton Robinson, sophomore. What a get by Dino right in August. I think he's going to be a beast next year. Um, Hit their quarterback pretty hard. We got some momentum there, but hard-fought game. And those are the 50-50 games against peer schools that we got to win more consistently. You know, if we're ever going to go bowling again, you got to win those games more. Um, so we're 2-2, two and two and we got number two in the country, Clemson, coming in. Friday night, the 13th, getting live. Absolutely, I can't tell you, one of the, probably the top sports game I've ever attended live. I cried. I was crying at the end of the game. It was surreal. It's something that Syracuse football diehards that really follow the team really deserved. Um, we played outstanding defense, blitzing, secondary. Um, Dungy, heart of a warrior with his rushing. I mean, we're doing this a lot of the part of the first part of the year without even having really rushing attack. We were one-dimensional. Um, and we, I, I still think we would have won the LSU game if we had a running attack that day. Um, but th- they played great. Um, and... Clemson now obviously playing for the ACC title tonight and maybe can win the national championship. You're hearing a lot of Syracuse lately, um, good and bad. You know, good pre- no press is no press. Good if we hear press, it's good press. So um, as much as I wish we finished higher than four and eight, so people were talking about Syracuse having a decent season, it didn't happen. We still beat Clemson, so we're four and three. And I'm thinking even with the gauntlet we have coming up, we're going to make a bowl game. We're going to get to six wins, and that's really what we need to do as a program. Um, we had the Miami, who once again was undefeated, top 10 team. Start off, Eric threw four interceptions in the first half, four interceptions, and we only lose by eight. Um, in the game the entire time, um, I, I think it was Rodney Williams um, who had a, a chance at an interception. Or at least a pick. I think it might have been a pick six, but he dropped it. Didn't get his feet in bounds. A lot of opportunities. Once again, we're on the short end. Um, But I can't stress enough that people, if you're on the message boards, they talk about it. We lost Cordy early, but then we lost Jordan Martin after the Clemson game. He was our second best cover safety. You can't play one safety high. Okay, uh, the defense that we were running towards the end of the year without one legit cover safety, we didn't have that. So when Jordan went down, you our defense they didn't play as well. So we definitely missed Jordan Martin the last half of the year, and that's not talked about enough. Jordan played a hell of a hell of a first part of the season, fifth year transfer from Bowling Green. Um, it's really just too bad because we really needed that kid, especially without Cordy. Our defense definitely didn't click as much without him being able to cover, make the right reads. And um, stay for help in the back when maybe a play broke down. But unfortunately, it didn't happen for us. Jordan got hurt. And then the defense started to struggle just a little bit. We had a bye week. Um, Then we went to Florida State. 
Eric stays healthy in the first quarter, I think we win the game. It was a stupid little two-yard draw, boom, and that what we know now is he broke his foot. And that obviously changed the course of the season. We fought. Eric was unbelievable. He's a warrior playing on a broken foot. Almost lost the victory. Um, once again, they missed the, the refs missed a huge holding call and like I think a 70-yard run for them. Definitely should have won that game. That game really, really irks me. Um, Cole misses a field goal right at the death. And then we're you know we're feeling down. Okay, believe what are we four and five at this point? Um, but we have Wake coming in. Wake's been playing well. They got some seniors, senior fifth year senior quarterback. We're feeling okay. It's at home. Nice three o'clock kick. You know, and the first half. I talked about this on the last podcast, so I'm not going to go crazy with Wake and Louisville breakdown, but um, we had them in the first half. Even without Eric, they figured Zach out. Zach is is not that great of a quarterback. He isn't. They took away the short passes. Okay, The defense didn't have an answer for Wolford, either if he was going to fake handoff or run the end, and uh, we just didn't have containment. We lost. Same thing as Louisville. I'm not going to talk about that, really. Lamar killed us. The defense looked slow. From what I heard from my sources was Paris and Zaire are really banged up. A lot of the defense was banged up. Kendall Coleman got hurt in the LSU game, was never 100%. Um, and we, our defense looked slow just because of these injuries. And you can't play 94% of the snaps for a lot of these guys and expect to play good over 12 weeks. Um, that's where depth comes into play. And, and next year we're going to have more depth at most positions, which is what we need. But, you know... Looking back on, you know, reading Zaire's Player Tribune article after Clemson, I feel bad for some of these seniors. You know, they didn't win a lot of games and they didn't make a bowl game and, you know, it was just it's just terrible. And then Boston College came to town and, you know, I'm there always believing. And uh, we battled. Rex looked okay. I mean, I hope Rex stays, Culpepper. Um, he could be a serviceable third quarterback. I just don't know if he will. Um, but I do know... We had no answer. You know, defense could not get a lot of pressure. We didn't have an answer for the AJ Dillon, the rusher. Um, but I think Dino's going to clean this roster up a little bit and get bring help JUCOs or transfers. These freshmen and redshirt freshmen are going to play more, and they're his guys. And I believe in his system. And I think overall, our team speed, athleticism, strength is going to obviously go up. Especially this is only year three of the strength and conditioning program, which I think is really good. Um, and these players will be in it again all off season, so it's going to help. So we end another season four and eight. Okay. Once again, disappointing. We're one and fifteen in November, last four seasons. And for a guy like me that goes to the games, watches the games, hopes for you know some wins in November, keep it interesting. It's not happening. The big thing for this team, and I'll keep saying this in every podcast, is we got to get to six and we got to make a bowl game. Tomorrow is the bowl selection show, and it's another bowl selection show without Syracuse. And, you know, I can't, it's getting old, and we got to get to a game, and we just got to keep staying with Dino. Well, the great thing about this is, and the hope is, is Wild Hack and the Athletic Department are signing Dino to an extension and bringing up his buyout. Because what we really need is a, a third and fourth year Dino. Keep bringing in this talent. Infuse this roster was more with more depth. Three and four star guys, which is what we're getting. Um, 
and and building it here in Syracuse, getting a foundation set, which we are going to do. It's just you got to have patience. The Syracuse fan base is not patient. Okay, I don't know if it's the winter, the lack of vitamin D, or whatever, but it's always ho hum. I'm this stinks, this sucks. You know, you just have to roll with it. There's no one that hurts more than I do or other fanatics when it comes to a a terrible season of being four and eight again. The Clemson win gives me a lot of hope, though. It's something you can build off of. Dino's beating them and Virginia Tech. Syracuse has played the Coastal Division champion the last two years in the non-conference. We got North Carolina next year, um, who I think is going to be better than they were this year, obviously. But, you know, hopefully we start off well. We'll talk about the schedule down the road. But I'm going to peek at this step chart real quick for a couple minutes, and we'll talk, and we'll, we'll end the episode two here after this. You know, wide receiver-wise, we lose Ishiner, okay? I can't tell you enough. You know, Steve had an unbelievable year this year, and a lot of it has to do with the system. He bought in finally, okay? We're going to miss him a lot. He's a big target. He knows how to get yards after the catch. Um, I think Dino might bring in a Juco or a fifth year to go with the, go with Butler. I think Butler has the potential. He's got the body, the strength, the speed, but he also has to catch the ball better. His hands aren't great, but that's what the offseason for is to get better. Irv, I love Irv. Okay, he caught the balls. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the shiftiest guy. Okay, but he he's gotten open. And he's gotten better. But I'm gonna tell you right now, between Mo Neal and Nikem Johnson and Sherrod Johnson. Um, there's going to be somebody in that position that's going to be more explosive. And I really, really have high hopes for Nikeem Johnson and Sherrod. I think they're going to fill that role. I want, I'm want. i interested to see what they do with Mo because I think Moe is going to play running back and play that slot receiver position. And those guys have the more ability, the more potential to break bigger plays than Irv did. You know, Irv didn't catch the ball towards the end of the year very well. Um and once again, some of those guys are unproven, but they have the potential to be better. And while the offense didn't take a huge step forward, like Dino said in year two, because we were playing, I think we played of the 12 games, six of the top 25 defenses. So, I mean, it was never easy. Um, I have high hopes. You know, Sean Riley had a couple good games. He's killed me with his mistakes. He's going to be a junior. He's shifty. He's fast. I don't know if he's a punt returner that we need. I think he's still going to have a decent career here. Um, but he doesn't make enough people miss in the return game. So I don't know who we're going to put back there. Um, once again, it could be Nikeem or Sherrod or one of the incoming guys like Hendricks or somebody. But I'm not sure exactly. But we need more plays from special teams in the punt and kick it and kick return. That's We definitely need that. So for the most part, Four of our five stars in the offensive line come back. Yeah, Cody Conway's a junior. Sam Heckle, redshirt freshman. Aaron Cervasis, redshirt freshman. Evan Adams, redshirt sophomore. Okay, so you get the this is a young, young offensive line. They're only gonna get better. Okay. We got two top recruits coming in. I'll talk about recruiting more down the line, but the depth is finally there in the offensive line. And I think that's definitely gonna help the running game. Um you know, Ravion's coming back for his senior year. I really hope we use this guy more. 
I think Dino knows who he is now. I think we're going to get him more looks in the middle of the field, but you got to use him more, especially if you don't have an alpha dog like Steve was as a wide receiver. You're going to spread the ball around more to everybody, which I think is going to happen next year. So I expect Ravion to really have a big year. Obviously, the quarterback position, we're finally going to have two legit Power 5 quarterbacks. You have Eric, who's proven himself, who's a warrior. You know, the kid wears his heart on his sleeve. And then you're going to have Tommy DeVito, who, I, who I've been hearing has been tearing it up in practice. And it's practice. But you have the hope with him as a redshirt freshman next year that if something happens to Eric, he can keep this team moving because I know he can make the throws. And then, you know what? You got Dante Strickland coming back as a senior. I think he'll get all the chances to start. I think he's a serviceable back. You got to hope he gets better, too. I think he will in the offensive line. But you can stick Mo back there. I know we're recruiting some other guys also. Um, Mackenzie Pierre, too, I think is a sophomore. You know, he didn't play a lot, but I think he's going to get a chance. They're all going to get a chance. I just, the running game's got to get better and more consistent. You know, especially in the beginning part of the season when, you know, we're on the road to start the season in Western Michigan, we're going to need a running attack and all that. So um, on the defensive side, I'm going to tell you right now, in if not next year, the following year, we are going to have one of the best defensive lines in the country. And that says a lot coming from Syracuse, but Alton Robinson, you know, sophomore, Chris Slayton, he's not going pro from what I know, junior, you know, McKinley Williams, sophomore, Kendall Coleman, sophomore, okay, you look in the backfield, Scoop Bradshaw, sophomore, Evan Foster, sophomore, Chris Frederick, sophomore. You're getting the jip, the drift here. Oh, we're playing as sophomores. Um, Josh Black, one of our best defensive ends. Jake Pickard, they all were hurt last year. The depth on our defensive line is going to be amazing next year. You know, we lose a lot at linebacker, okay, but... You know, Andrew Armstrong, who I've been hearing, has been doing a great job in practice on the scout team and everything like that. Prototypical size, speed. We're going to be young there, young there, but there's going to be better athletes at the linebacker position. We'll take our lumps, but our secondary and our defensive line are going to be a ton better. And if we can get consistent pressure, that takes a lot of pressure off the linebackers also. So, you know, they're going to be young to start the linebacking core, but I still think we're going to bring in a Juco or transfer two to help, you know, get some more seniority to that lineup. Um, but I think we're going to see the defense being more consistent with the depth. And by the end of the season, uh, we won't have to worry so much about players being hurt because we have, can have guys to fill in. Punting-wise, Sterling it had a great first half of the season. Second half, his yards per average, I think, are like four or five yards below. So he kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, but that happens with your leg and stuff, kicking so many times. We did punt. We didn't punt a lot, but we put more onus on him um, punting the ball. And he just kind of dropped off a little bit. But he was still, like, one of the best in the ACC. Cole Murphy, look, he's a polarizing figure, Okay. He's made a lot of kicks, but, man, he's missed a ton of clutch kicks. So I'm not that sad he's going. I I don't know what we're going to do with the place-kicking position. I, I don't think Sterling's going to do all three punting, kickoff, and field goals. But um, who knows? Uh, I'm assuming we're going to bring somebody else in, or we have that. Uh, I think another kid on the roster that can kick. So we got to make sure, you know, field goals are obviously huge. Matt Keller, a long snapper. Junior, kid's legit, doesn't miss a bad snap. So we got him coming back. Um, 
So that's just kind of touching on the depth chart for next year. Um, what I off the top of my head, I think we lose six starters or seven starters, offensive, defensive combined. That's not a lot. While they were impact players, once again, there's more depth all over the place, and that's what we need um, to really get to six wins. I'm not, you know, you got to win your first game, but in the end, you have to get to six. Six is what I'm talking about. Six is all we need. I would be ecstatic with six and six next year, and I think we can get that done. But this was the last episode where I'm really going to talk about last year. I might briefly touch on the future, but last year is finally over with. It's done. We're moving on to 2018, so everything from here on out, we'll be looking towards the future. Um, probably the most excited I have ever been for Syracuse football is the 2018 team. Um, I'll talk about it, but we start on the road the first game, which I kind of like. You know, get that first game, maybe get to hopefully 1-0, and and then come back the second weekend when maybe there's less things to do in Syracuse and all those people that wear the bleed orange T-shirts to the fair and to concerts when there's a Syracuse game going on could actually maybe attend. But um, I think we're going to make some huge strides next year, and Dino even knows. And I like what he said at the end of his press conference at, at Boston College. He goes, 2018, okay, is going to be a team we're talking about. We'll be talking about Syracuse for a very long time. I absolutely love that confidence from our head coach. You know, I love listening to Dino speak, and he knows there's some pressure on him. You got to win six next year. You got to. Okay, there's some way you got to do it. You got to do it. And I think he's going to get the job accomplished. So I love the confidence from our head coach. I'm really excited to see how we finish up with recruiting. December 22nd, um, like Ty Sampson or high four-star, almost five-star center, um, and a couple other guys I think are going to sign and commit then and maybe come in January. And this early signing period is huge for a small school like Syracuse where we don't have to hold on to these guys till February and other bigger schools lose their targets and try and steal our players. Some of these guys, or hopefully a lot of them, that we already said they're going to commit, sign in December. And then we kind of know what we're working with. Um, but I do like the class, and we'll talk about the class in a, in another podcast. But... Um, y'all have a nice night and keep believing because the Western Michigan game isn't that far off. New YouTube Red Family Lands. No uh, hold on. There's a commercial on YouTube. Sorry. Here we go. Peace.